Another exciting off-season edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. I'm Andy Hart alongside Nick Fitzy Stevens and Chris Shime Time, Mr. Negativity Shime. And I, I think we need to acknowledge we are now officially in the dead period of the football season. If there is one, the year-round calendar takes a little bit of a break. Minicamp closed out early. And now the next step on the calendar is training camp, the end of July. Bill Belichick will be off in Nantucket. Coaches will be spending a month with their families. And we will spend a month uh, drumming up content in various forms or fashion. Andy, I would like to ask one question and then make a funny little point from an event I attended yesterday as we carry on with this sort of like other portion of the offseason podcast, Six Rings and Football Things. One, where do you rank this dead period in and amongst the post-Super Bowl up till Combine, post-draft until OTAs? There's like three specific month-long chunks. Which is the deadest of the NFL dead zones, if you will? Oh, I think this is the deadest. When, yeah. when you yeah. say Bill Belichick is going to be on a boat with a beer in his hand, disconnected from oh, football, talk to me. Oh, like, yeah, this he 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 finally acts like a human being. Right. Like he's this just is just jamming time. out to Yacht Rock, just really yep. letting it all go. He's okay. probably down in that. What is that? Uh, Annapolis Harbor. He's got his boat parked. He's got he's walking around with a mixed drink and a styrofoam cup like that's. That's where Belichick is right now. Yeah, we're on to a Cape Codder, Linda. Yeah, yep. you totally know. He's on the eight rings out there in Nantucket, running into the fields and the rest of the Belichicks and John the Henry. Portnoys. Chasing the Henrys. Uh, Nike oh, yeah. swoosh dog up and down yep. the beach. Yep. And Paying $19.95 for a half pound of pre-prepared uh, albacore tuna salad at the local overpriced Nantucket deli, just like everybody else living that top shelf life. But it brings me to this point. So, And it's Belichick related. Yesterday, I'm at the Joe Andrewsy uh, 14th Annual Joe Andrewsy Golf Tournament to benefit his foundation. And uh, it's at Black Rock, a beautiful country club in Hingham. There were some Patriots players there. Shout out Jake Bailey for being a dude saying hello. Dante Scarnecchia in the house. But we're at the 13th hole, and there's a restroom and a beverage cart. And so there's a group of people stopped. And as we're waiting to tee off, a black Cherokee pulls up and does a flat-out rolling stop. Uh, and then doesn't even stop at a stop sign. And then as the group turns to look, the black Cherokee peels off before anyone else can get a look. One member of my party looked in. And as I'm coming back for the bathroom, someone goes, hey, Fitzy, guess who that was? Bill Belichick didn't even stop at the stop sign. <laughs> He doesn't need to stop anywhere. No, he does. He's got. I guess he's got a membership. I believe he's got residents there alongside the course. But Belichick, as he's doing a rolling stop, I think realizes, ah, oh, crap. There's a bunch of guys that are probably going to recognize yep. me, and then just peels off in his Cherokee. Bill Belichick, shine just like the rest of us. Does Drives a Jeep Grand Cherokee. I love to hear that. No days <laughs> off and no stop signs. So uh, this first segment, we're going to get into. Uh, we promised positional breakdowns. We're going to get that into that in a second segment. We'll kick that off for a series of podcasts, and we have Fitzy's favorite potpourri, Pat's potpourri, to close things out. But first, we're going to talk about questions. We're going to answer some questions, or at least pose the questions. Our friends over at the Thirty Third Team. Uh, put out an article, and we've cited them. I like some of their work. I think they kind of pose different questions and topics and tierings of players and all those various things. Uh, burning questions for all 32 NFL teams, and they chose an obvious one for the Patriots. So we're actually not going to use that one because it was the coaching situation on offense. Is Belichick going to regret not naming a play caller yet? All of that. We have broken that down ad nauseum mm -hmm. in a number of podcasts, but I want to use that as a leaping off point Beyond the coaching situa situation, situation with yeah, Patricia and Judge, I want each of us to offer up the biggest question this team faces heading into the 2022 season. And I'm going to let Mr. Positivity, a.k.a. Chris Scheim, kick <laughs> things off. Yeah, so I think my biggest question would be the defensive backs, right? You lose J.C. Jackson, who is, without question, your best defensive back. You bring in Malcolm Butler, Terrence Mitchell, and then you draft uh, John er, uh, Jack, Jack Jones. Jones and Marcus Jones. Mm -hmm. Now, Jack Jones, as Andy has pointed out, has looked really good on the practice field. Yep. And again, it's shells, it's practice, but it, alas, looks really good, which is positive. Uh, Marcus Jones, however... Not a whole lot going on there yet. We're going to have to wait and see. 
ultimately, I think you're going to need some kind of impact from at least one of those guys for this defense, for this secondary to have any success. I think bringing Malcolm Butler back is, is fine. He's, he's a, de- a depth piece that helps um, because he knows the system and you have plenty of safeties, so you're going to play that amorphous safety in the box, too high defenses. That's great. But unfortunately, the cornerbacks are just not super strong right now. So unless one of those rookies really emerges, I think the biggest question has to be the, those cornerbacks. Uh, I love the answer. I definitely think that's in the running for one of the biggest questions for this team. Uh, a couple points. First of all, just give me your three starters right now, just off the top of your head. Um, Malcolm Butler. Uh, Jalen Mills and Jonathan Jones. That's probably accurate. And as we said, maybe there'll only be two corners on the field. Maybe the safeties will take up one of those corner spots. I don't know. So maybe, maybe there'll now- be zero. Uh, I don't think that's likely, but hey, maybe <laughs> it's possible. Listen, you know, all all options are on the table. It is the dead zone. And also the Patriots are going to try to do things that people haven't seen on the field this year. We said dead zone, not dumb zone. Um, I would not uh, <laughs> not be overly happy with no corners on the field. Uh, Malcolm Butler, I thought, had a good camp. One quick note on Jack Jones. Mike Reese wrote about him in his uh, whatever he calls him, his Sunday news note and notes. Column. And. I thought he was trying to spin it kind of positive. He didn't really say anything. He just listed Jack Jones's salary cap charges, which are nothing. He sized his contract. You know, he's a fourth round rookie. He's not going to make any money. We know that. It's also irrelevant. I don't really care whether he makes money or not. Can he play? Just like I didn't really care whether J.C. Jackson makes money or not. I know he can play. So I don't know if Reese was trying to sort of paint a subtle, well, they have Jack Jones making no money, and if he's as good as he looked in shorts and T-shirts in June, They'll never regret J.C. Jackson. And I'm like, we'll see. If he picks off 25 passes over the next three years, like J.C. Jackson, then you're right. He's a great value. If he sucks, then I don't think he's a great value. Or even if he's mediocre, then you still don't have a number one corner. So the money thing pisses me off. My answer to this is simple. Offensive line. We've talked about it. House of cards. The difference between corner and O-line is that there may be a starting five you like, right? Like there's yep. five guys that if healthy and if out there, Trent Brown, which for minicamp was left tackle, then Cole Strange, David Andrews, Mike Unwenu, and Isaiah Wynn when he showed up for minicamp after skipping OTAs and pretended he didn't care that uh, he doesn't have a new contract, didn't care that he's at right tackle, even though it was the fakest smile I've ever seen and the fakest chuckle I've ever seen. Um, if they're healthy... I think that's a pretty good line. Now, there's nothing else. They're like, And you have health issues with Wynn in the past, staying on the field. Trent Brown, certainly health issues, already has health issues this summer, dealing with something that's limited him through OTAs and minicamp. I don't know who the backups are. I think they need to acquire a veteran or two on the offensive line because I'm just not sold that Yadni Kajust and Justin Huron and Will Sherman and – James Ferentz and any of these Stuber. guys. Uh, Stuber hasn't even been out there. I want right. to talk Stuber into something. He's not even out there. So the chances that they stay healthy and all you know are ready to go are slim. So I think the line is a major question. And don't forget about the fact that the coaching along the offensive line, they're basically going into whether Matt Patricia is part-time play caller or run game coordinator, de facto offensive line coach, you realize this will be like the fourth offensive line coach on the Patriots in less than a decade. That's oh, significant yeah. turnover yeah. going from Gouge to Spack to Scar to Brasillo and Popovich to just Brasillo, I believe it was last year, and Billy Yates assisting, and now it's Matt Patricia. There's been major turnover along the coaching front on the offensive line. Nick Cayley, yep. one of the stalwarts, I can't believe I'm calling a 45-year-old guy we've only come to really learn the name of in the past year because we thought he might be an offensive coordinator candidate, being uh, a veteran presence along your offensive line as tight ends coach. They definitely, and this is why we brought it up previously on the pod. I wrote about it a few weeks back for WEI.com, why the Patriots should look into a couple of veteran additions. I think we all agree taking a flyer on somebody like um, uh, Reese Riley or whatever the hell his name was. Riley, Riley, thank you so much. Uh, Played with Cincinnati last year. was actually pretty good before he got hurt. Eric Fisher. Bring in uh, a a swing tackle that you might be able to have a depth tackle. If they're great... Maybe they push these. Maybe they push these guys and give you death behind Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn. I think it's a great idea. And 
just to sh- what Shime was talking about previously, uh, since you so courteously skipped over me getting a chance to weigh in on Shime's <laughs> cornerback and secondary issue, Andy, the secondary has the chance to either, uh, I won't say uh, wow us, but surprise us with effectiveness a la maybe 2013, or it could turn into a 2011 situation where we're starting a slot receiver in the Super Sterling Bowl, Moore not and- going to the Super Bowl. But yeah, you got Sterling Moore and Kyle Arrington and Julian Edelman, and God knows what the hell is going on back there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, guys, if Jack Jones in Reese's Pieces, I think that's the name of what he calls it, Andy. It um, used to be on Boston.com. Yeah, I don't know if right. it's I think it's just my news Sunday news and notes or something. It's no Boring. Sunday 7, I'll tell you that. Um, uh, I, I think he absolutely 100% was doing that to sort of point out like, well, obviously if J.C. Jackson got that bag with the Chargers and Jack Jones can play 80 to 85% of what J.C. Jackson was giving you, it's a smart value play. So high risk reward with that, Shime. Um, And your thoughts on the offensive line before I get to my point? Uh, Yeah, I mean, we've talked, I think we've talked about it a few times now. I, I completely agree. I think they need to sign some sort of depth tackle, depth piece, either that would help it barring injury in case of injury, because both Isaiah Wynn and Trent Brown aren't necessarily the healthiest guys on the planet. I'd and, say when, when the injury yeah, comes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And if, even if they are healthy, if one of those depth tackles proves to be useful and like good, I, I guess it kind of makes Isaiah Wynn a little bit more expendable. If you can get anything for him, I guess. Um, it, but ultimately I think you're right. I think it's just depth. They need tackle depth in my opinion, because I just don't feel like you have it right now. And one more thing just to throw in there is we're accepting Cole Strange as like a known He may commodity. not be ready right away right. either. But, I mean, he's been uh, given too the bad. He's too been bad. given the thought. He is a starting guard. Like, he's been anointed yeah. that. So, but if he sucks. He may take some adjusting. And you don't mm-hmm. have Ted Karras to put out there. You don't have that. Mm-hmm. Like, those that, that behind the scenes, you trust him kind of guy that they don't have much depth. Fitzgerald. No, What's your answer? All right, boys. Uh, solid choices from both of you. I can't believe none of us are going with offensive skill-related questions as our burning question heading into the 2022 season. I'm going to hop on the D train as well. Excuse My me? biggest burning question. You heard right. That's right. You heard right there, hat. You love D. Line. Yes, I do, especially because it Always, wins championships. Hmm. The linebackers. Really. The talent flush. The stiffer, the better. Uh, right. Listen, and you guys give me trouble for dropping the occasional S bomb yet innuendo like city penetrates actually. With the, all right. All right. With the mayor and the, the assistant the mayor. Stop it. Nice firm <laughs> clogging the go. gaps with a di- oh, 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 now it's no, now I can't say it, but of course you can the linebackers where on the team will the Patriots have undergone a greater veteran talent overhaul. Then on linebacker, I mean, you're you're moving on. It seems from Dante Hightower, you have moved mm, on yep. from Kyle Van Noy. These are mm. multiple Super Bowl champions. These are locker room leaders. These are guys that always, or at least usually, when they could be, were in position all the time. And now you're trusting the linebacking core on a defense that we've been told, or at least that has been hinted to us, could be positionless, a bit amorphous, undergoing a bit of a transition for speed and explosiveness to try to keep up with these powerhouse offenses in the AFC, your linebacking core now, the veteran leaders, Juwan Bentley, and it's Raquan McMillan and Cameron McGrone and Josh Uche and Ronnie Perkins. Like, again, talk about sink or swim, boom or bust. That seems to me, guys, to be the running theme of the 2022 New England Patriots defense. It's going to be boom or it's going to be bust. When you look specifically at the Patriots defense, like it screams the bridge, right? He's trying to feel out exactly what he has on the defensive side of the ball between the young guys he drafted last year, his new young guys, and then figure out what he needs to add next offseason with all that money that's going to end up being in their pockets all of a sudden. Like it's 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 just it's one of those things where it's like you hope you struck gold on one or two guys, but there are just a million question marks between the linebackers and secondary. It's it's like we said, it's nut cutting time. It's junk on the table time. It's put up or shut up. Hey, Uche, can you play Ronnie Perkins? Do you have any Trey Flowers like potential? Any of you like Raquan McMillan? OK, you're a year off the ACL. We thought you were going to be great last year. Can you be great this year? And Cameron McGrone, is there any chance you could cover Isaiah McKenzie or any of these speedy receivers who run freely over the middle of the field and absolutely 
diced and annihilated the Patriots at the end of last season. Yeah, I uh, I love the the question. I think we're finding there's a lot of questions about this. Oh team. yeah, but I, I think that's something we knew is that there was going to be, especially this time of the year. We just we don't know what their plan is in a lot of scenarios, and, and there's just a lot of roster talent questions. And, yeah, and I'm and I'm thrilled. To, like we didn't ask if we think Mac Jones can make a year two leap. I think most of us believe Mac Jones can make a year two leap. We didn't talk about the wide receiver room. They need a deep threat. They need more weapons. We didn't talk about that or running backs, which we believe will be a strength. So I find encouragement in that. Well, uh, there's encouragement in in one sense, like because some of those positions, like Mac, the receivers, it's do they measure up to the elite opposition, like? right? Like the competition. Yep. Whereas some of these positions we're talking about corner and linebacker. It's like, do you have starters? Like, do you actually have guys to put on the field that not, not do you have elite guys? Not do you have pro bowl guys? Do you actually have guys that are capable of just filling the position? So it'll be interesting. You know what I like about it as somebody who covers training camp and is down there on a semi-regular slash daily basis what it do you like you plenty, about it, Andy? Gives you plenty to watch, like focus on like competition, like who's out there, who's doing what. There's a lot to learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, especially the young linebackers. Uh, you know, you mentioned Uche. He's kind of at the top of that heap just because mm -hmm. both Belichicks have been like, yeah, he's a big piece of the puzzle. And it's I don't feel as great about him just because it's year three. Like, yeah, how long are we going before we expect him to actually do something where Perkins and McGrone, it's like, well, I, I don't really know. They're yeah, they haven't touched the field. It's mm -mm, only year mm -mm. two. Like, there's a chance that there's something there, or there's a chance that sure. they're going to get cut next year. Like, well, the, and the, but this is Uche's chance to sit to either showcase that you're not uh, the next Sean Crable, uh, that you're not Jermaine Cunningham, that you're not the linebacking equivalent of Nikhil Harry, that you can be something. Otherwise, take the Winovich Express out of town. Nice to see you. I think that's the one good thing that a lot of these young guys have is they're going to have opportunity, right? There's yep. No, there's no lack of opportunity there. There's no roadblocks. It's if you play well, it's yours. If you don't see ya. hundred percent. So it should make for fun camp competition and uh, fun blogging on weei.com and fun discussions on the six rings podcast as we work our way through August and into September. But for now, we are in June, and we are talking about the depth of the Patriots. This is Six Rings Podcast. Contact us on Twitter at Six Rings Pod, Six Rings Pod at gmail.com. If you want to send an email and tell Shime he's a boob and he's the most negative person that you've ever heard talk about the Patriots. Always. And I'm going to give him an opportunity to be negative about a position. The first position we talk about, I think, of the offseason breakdown. It's a pretty thin position, low numbers, tight end position. There's an obvious top of the depth chart. Hunter Henry had a, I'm going to say, good, good to very good year. His first year in New England as a big money free agent signing. Caught, yeah, start. Who started more games last year, Hunter Henry or Jonu Smith? Uh, Hunter Henry. Uh, no, Jonu Smith. Interesting. Really? Enough. Yeah. 11 of 16, Henry started 10 of 17. It's one game difference, but oh. just interesting. Um, I felt Henry like had... that question, when you asked it, though, I felt oh, yeah. like that was such a trick question. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, but it also Shime hasn't he... played the Andy Hart game before because the tone of my setup was obvious that it was yeah, counter I... to what your instinct Oh, Shime, also, I... uh, spoiler alert, there is no winner when you play the Andy Hart game. <laughs> I noticed. Uh, the True. other thing, too, is, though, it's not like he didn't play 17 games. So, like, Hunter Henry played 17 I games. I didn't ask that. Brain. I asked starts. No, no, no. I know, but starts are such a weird when it comes to receivers and tight ends. It's such a weird thing because if you, if you start the game with being wrong, you were wrong. If you start the if you start the game in a run set, Hunter Henry's just not on the field because Johnny Smith's a better run blocker most of the time. Okay, and also by the way, Andy, when you say good, I think most people would agree. Ten starts, seventeen games played, seventy-five targets, fifty receptions, six hundred three yards, nine touchdowns. That's a good season. But I believe Me. we all believe. Pardon the double believe. Uh, do you believe? Uh, we believe that believe he can you. improve in 2022, that there's room for improvemente. No, I think he is who he is. Those are average Hunter Henry type seasons. He's All basically right. 50 catches, 600 yards. He did have a career high for touchdowns, mm -hmm. but that's who Hunter Henry is. And we nailed it. I think everybody nailed it. He's a he's a high floor, low ceiling tight end. Really good. Consistent. Is he worth 12 million? I don't know. You decide what he's worth, what he's not it's, worth. It's what he's worth to you, not what he's worth in the open right. market. Because he doesn't compare to other guys that he makes more money than. Like, there's guys yeah. that he makes or similar money to that, you know, Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle, 
Travis Kelsey. Like, if you want to talk about the elite tight ends that are centerpiece offensive weapons, he's not there. He's not that. Okay, so if you're not, all right, take take Janu out of the equation, and let's also remove like Kelsey, Gronk, and Kittle. For that kind of money, name me one or two other tight ends that you would rather have, like Darren Waller. Waller. Okay. All right. Well, um, I probably should have excluded Waller because he's Ertz. an all-world talent. Uh, T.J. Old Hawkinson. Man Hawk, uh, The Hawk. Dallas okay. Goddard. Yeah, very good. How about Kasicki? Do you think Kasicki would feed in this offense with his athleticism? I think he's really athletic. I think there's some untapped potential there. Fourier, I, I has, Christian Fourier has always thought. Ton. I think he's probably about the same as Hunter Henry, in my yeah. in my opinion. But really, the tight end conversation starts after Hunter Henry. If he's healthy, you know yep. he's your number one tight end. You know Mac Jones likes him, trusts him, is going to yes. throw to him in important situations, in important areas of the field. All of that. There really aren't any questions with Hunter Henry. No. And the next guy on the depth chart is nothing but questions. John U. Smith, who, as I said, the only thing he did better than Hunter Henry for a similar paycheck was start games. 11 out of 16, (laughs) 28 catches, 294 yards, one touchdown, career low touchdown, lowest catches and yards since 2018, coming off career highs in those categories in Tennessee. They brought in a guy that Bill Belichick, when he was an opponent, said, Best run after catch tight end in football. Whether he is or isn't, we never really saw much of it. We never really got a chance to see much of it. He didn't catch the ball well. He didn't run routes well. He never felt comfortable. He caused turnovers. The only thing that was a positive with him is he seems like a nice fellow. Like he, yeah, I think he dealt with there's it okay. a chance like, that the Patriots just overpaid for a guy who hit his career highs, and he's just and he oh, may never get definitely. there again. Well, definitely, they, oh, definitely. They, it's not a chance; it's a fact. I, Hunter Henry was overpaying to secure the talents of somebody that coach had always liked and believed would be a steady presence on an offensive uh, offense, rather. Excuse me, in transition, Jonu Smith was a futures bet. And unfortunately, yes. last year, that was an absolute abject. He, he turned out to be insert name of crypto that was worth a million and is now worth a thousand here. Like he <laughs> absolutely bottom lined and flat lined last year. It was it was brutal. But I want to know, OK, Andy Hart, imagine that little that visor on your uh, square, unshaven, obnoxious little head there. Imagine. OK, well, it's just it's not hurtful. We're just being honest here. It's a safe space. We're all quote friends. Uh, so uh, imagine you are like you're coaching up the Patriots offense this year. What would you do differently and or how would you try to, as we heard so often last year, get Janu going? Well, I think he is going to fall into that tweener role with no fullbacks. I think he is going to be a little bit more of an H-back this year. I think you'll see some opportunities out of the backfield. I think you just, first of all, have to lower your expectations. That starts with me. I was watching what Josh McDaniels was doing last summer. They wanted Jonu Smith to earn his paycheck. They wanted him, they wanted the, to steal a basketball term. I think they wanted the offense to run through him at times. And it just did not, it, it, it never worked. So you have, we've talked about it. We'll get into it at other position breakdowns. You have depth of weapons. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, you can't focus on him and expect him to be the centerpiece. You just need to less targets, less opportunities, maybe more impact, more plays. When you take advantage of those one, two, three times where you get a matchup, him on a linebacker that you like, think of Dante Hightower. Like, I would take my chances if you could scheme Jonu Smith on last year's Dante Hightower. I think he Hmm. can outrun Dante Hightower. Or you have to really kind of look at what he did in Tennessee and what he did well, right? And the two things, in my opinion, that he did well was red zone targets. He was Mm -hmm. very, that's what he excelled in, and run blocking. I think that those are the two things that were his best traits is he's a good run blocker. And then in the red zone, like you said, he's a matchup. He's a good matchup against a bigger linebacker. So if you can get into the red zone and find those matchups, I think that's where he can excel for this team. I don't the think only- on it from a yardage perspective, he's not going to, I don't think he's ever going to, 900, 500. 800. Yeah, he's never, no, 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 he's no, no, no. never going to get to the six, 700 mark. And also positive. Excuse me. I didn't mean to step on either shine, but also positives maybe, or at least optimistic, hopeful elements of John New Smith's game in 2022. A, there could be more play action involved in the Patriots offense this year. So if you're going to steal from your Shanahan offenses or maybe make Mac Jones, a little Tannehill esque, obviously that's where he thrived because he got open on the smaller linebackers and safeties. 
and like Shime said, got those red zone targets and had eight touchdowns in 2020. My God, wouldn't six touchdowns from John o. Smith would be massive this year. And he's been in the building this year, Andy. That's got to count for a little something versus last year, staying away for COVID, new new dad. Uh, you know, he's he's got a fresh start. And if he bottoms out this year, here's your 31 and a half million. Wow, did we get burned? Best of luck after the season. Yeah, I already think they've been burned. I I think lower expectations and and just sort of take what you can get out of him. Um, the one thing I would say about the red zone is you have Hunter Henry, who's a, a proven, reliable red zone target that Mac Jones trusts. Do you want to take opportunities away from Hunter Henry in the most critical area of the field to take? I, I There's times where I still don't trust Jonu Smith. It just doesn't look quite right. Like the route is not on the same page with the quarterback, mm -hmm. and that's a dangerous area to say, yeah, he's athletic, but what's he going to do with it? Yeah, I would I also like to add. Oh, let me do one point, John. I was just going to say I'd like to also like to add. We all agree that Kendrick Bourne should probably be used in the red zone more because he's so efficient there. And you just added Devonte Parker, who's a big dude. Yep. Yeah. So in my opinion, I don't even think your 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 plan is to take away red zone opportunity from Hunter Henry, right? It's to add a secondary option to Henry. I don't. I don't see Bourne and Parker being massive red zone targets. I just don't think that's what the Patriots want to do in the red zone. I think the Patriots want to line up in a bigger, stronger set than you, and their red zone options are going to be the two running backs and the two tight ends. And like that's that's where they would like to make their bread and butter. Now, whether that's going to work or not, I, I don't know. It's That remains to be seen. But I think ideally, in a perfect world, that is exactly how they would like to draw it up. So Hunter Henry's on the roster because he's good. John yep. Smith's on the roster because he makes a lot of money and he has to be. Yep. After that, it's nothing but question marks. It's a couple third-year former mid-round picks who've done nothing and Dalton Keene, who likes to roll his sleeves up and show his guns in minicamp practices, didn't care for it. And Devin Asi-Asi, who didn't really... care for it. Listen to you like outfit shame, gun shaming him out. Like <laughs> I didn't care. Like Dal part of Dalton Keene's whole thing is he looks like somebody who would be the best friend of like an eighties villain in a, like a, a high school comedy Roadhouse. or a college romp, yeah. or looks like he would work at the double deuce. He sort of looks like a roided up version of that character, Billy from season three of stranger things. And yes. I kind of like that bizarre as like that Swayze like aesthetic. I'm rooting for Dalton Keene to do anything, make some impact Andy, but don't you dare pull that conservative coach. Like, I didn't care for it. Not here at not here at Heart Academy. Hmm. Not I don't here like at Hogwarts. We don't like that. <laughs> at Hogwarts, yeah. no. <laughs> Maybe accomplish something on the practice field or the preseason field or anywhere at all before you start showing your guns off in minicamp practice. But the third option for the third tight end role right now would be Matt Sokol, who they claimed off nope. waivers. He's uh, six foot six, two hundred sixty pounds. Was on the Jags practice squad all of last mm, year. That's where everyone uh, went for talent. That's where everyone did their shopping this off. Yeah, way behind James O'Shaughnessy. Had a cup of coffee with the Chargers in twenty twenty, where he played two games, mostly on special teams. Um, big body blocker. Depending on what they want to do, or if they're ready to just move on from the disappointing draft picks, Keen and Asiasi, Sokol could be in the mix. I also think third tight ends are kind of like guards and D tackles or backup tackles. Like there's veteran guys out there that bounce around and some teams fourth is better than your third and they end up cutting them and you make a move in August to bring that. But, but I think the point here is it's Hunter Henry or bust at the tight end position. Like they have no That's depth. What it feels like. Yeah, no depth at all at the tight end position. And no upside, really, right? Like you said, Hunter Henry right. is a relatively known commodity. The upside's John with Johnny if he does anything, Shime. Yeah, but how high is that upside, I think, is the question. Right? 1,500 like yards. Yeah, okay. All right. The upside Andy, with Johnny Smith is what, like four? I don't have time to drive to your house for an intervention today, but I will call for help if you need it. <laughs> I'm blinking. <laughs> um, no, I, Johnny Smith is the upside, and that's unfortunate because – so that's year six upside. You're, you're counting on a guy living up to his contract, having a jump. Like I just, the that's reality tough. and Hunter Henry has been dinged at times in his career. He had the one season to the ACL, I believe preseason ACL. Yep, that's correct. Um, He came back and his first game back was the playoff ass whooping that the Patriots yep. put on the chargers uh, at Gillette in January, 2019. But you really need him to stay healthy and at worst give you the 50 for 608 type season that is kind of his average um pencil it in right now 
Oh, your pencil. And then can I throw a wild card in here? Uh, well, considering okay. that you totally just glossed over and tossed Devin Asiasi to the wayside. No, like that's a, fine. I'm glad like, you did that. Go ahead. Like, you know, waste, like, I mean, like children's birthday party podcast. trash. You just couldn't have I mean, gotten rid of that faster. Okay. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. What do you want to say about him other than his name is so-so? Uh, nothing. I want okay. to say absolutely. I, I'm still infuriated about the draft pick, but I know we're moving on trying to be Pat's positive. Pat's positive. So where else would you go than to Mike Reese for Pat's positive? Always. And he posed this idea, which a few fans have posed. I think we may have had an emailer or a tweeter propose mm -hmm. it at one point. Talk to me. Nikhil Harry just bulks up, adds some poundage, whatever you want to call him, a tweener. Do it. Come on, I mean, do he it. Can't, he can't He's right there. Do it. <laughs> he can't be any worse. So, like, sure, but I don't. Yeah, I don't no, see that. I, I have no interest. I, I honestly have no interest just because, like, I don't know if he'd be a good pass catcher as a tight end either. He's not a great He's pass not. catcher. And then no. the other just aspect because you change is, positions doesn't change how good your hands are. And generally, you want that guy sometimes to be a blocker, right? And he's now like a in a bloated wide receiver, which is fine out on the edges. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to say, I need you to block defensive ends or like Dante Hightower size linebackers every play. Like that's where I would give the benefit of the doubt to a six foot six, 260 pound Matt Sokol and said, yep. okay, maybe you can block that guy. So I just wanted to throw it out there. Fitzy, any positive take on Nikhil Harry blowing up, eating like me and becoming a tight end? <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, the best thing Nikhil Harry can do for the 2022 Patriots, his greatest contribution would be not making a stink as he's moved on from dismissed, traded, released. It's time for everyone, all parties to cut bait. You could be Matt Sokol. You could be Matt Langle. You could be Matt Lauer. Anyone that comes in and is just that random body that's happy to block on the edges and be the swing tight end. Uh, Rod, the Rod Lutledge, Rutledge role from years ago. Uh, who was the uh, Dwayne Allen recently? Dwayne Allen, sneaky good blocking tight end for years on the Patriots. That's what I'm more interested in. As far as pass catchers go, we already got those guys. Yeah, I, I for, always forgot, uh, Andy, you and I have that bet, too, that Nikhil Harry, you said, won't be on the roster for opening day. I said, will be on the roster for opening day. I forgot about that. What yes, did you guys you, bet? Uh, lunch? Yeah, lunch. Yeah. Like what a nice sandwich. Yeah. Oh, not like a, not like a main brewing company lunch because that's no, I mean, no, that's no. a good beer. It's worth betting. Yeah, Andy's not Andy's not big on the craft beers. He's more of a Miller like guy. So instead, we just went something we both love: lunch. Made it easy. Yep. Okay, that's going to put a wrap on our tight end breakdown and the second segment of this Six Rings podcast. In the coming weeks, we will go through position by position, talk about the highs, the lows, the guys you know, the names you haven't heard of. Because I guarantee, unless you're a super 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 fan. There are actually people on the 90-man roster right now that you did not know were currently employed by the New England Patriots. In segment number three of the Six Rings pod here, if you want to reach out to us, this is the best place to do it, at Six Rings Pod on Twitter, sixringspodgmail.com. And this is the segment where we touch on some of those interactions at times. But we also have a few of what uh, Fitzy likes to talk about as potpourri. And the first one I want to get to, Touches a nerve with me, uh, strikes a chord, because you guys know I'm a bit of a uh, lax dad bro in recent years, coaching boys and girls lacrosse. And Paul Rabel, friend of Bill Belichick, was on a recent uh, podcast declaring that he would not be surprised, by the way, take snake Paul Rabel, I said this more than 10 years ago, that Bill Belichick's career as a coach could end with him coaching a lacrosse team. Before we get reaction from the boys, I want to throw one more snippet out there. Mm -hmm. I don't think Paul Rabel would ever say this. I would actually be stunned if Bill Belichick is not a, would it, would it be called like a ghost investor in the PLL? I think Bill Belichick is probably involved in the PLL financially. I believe that either ghost investor or angel, angel share, angel, Something whatever like they call that. it like that. Yeah, that he, I mean, he's got the money. Yeah, he definitely he has the LaCrosse. money. He loves Rabel. They're boys. Like the, the way he thing. speaks of lacrosse, he almost now I feel like Bill Belichick has said everything he wants to say about the game of football. He's coached Lawrence Taylor and he's coached Tom Brady. He's legitimately coached the best player on either side of the football. He's almost in the once I get this team up and running again uh, so I can help restart 
competitive relevance and consistency for the next decade. He's almost in the nothing left to prove except maybe Chase Shula portion of his career versus lacrosse. That would almost feel like a new challenge to him. So that's why I don't think this should just be dismissed as off-season Pat's potpourri or June podcast fodder. Yeah, I mean, the man loves to coach, right? That's clearly indicative of the career. Yeah, he he has always loved that. And we have always known he loves lacrosse. He he, he made... Chris Hogan, former lacrosse player at Monmouth. Everybody knew that. And like at the same time, he always he, there's multiple, multiple, multiple pictures of Bill Belichick every year that circulate on social media of him holding a lacrosse stick. He's oh, yeah. at a lacrosse game. The guy just loves the sport. So to think that he would go and either be like a shadow investor and or like an owner or have any kind of front office role somewhere for some PLL team. But what about I, on field? So let's I don't say think the so. Patriots. I think Whatever, when, a few more years. And now I he's think like when, 74, 75. Is he on a PLL sideline? No, I, I think if he's done coaching football, I think he's done coaching. Period. What about Nantucket High School? Hmm. No, I don't think he would. I don't think he would go to the high school. I don't think he would coach again. It's kind of where would, I'm at. I think he would consider it. I stole that one from old friend Brian Morey, former uh, boss oh. at Patriots.com, was also ran the uh, hall at Patriot Place for a while. Uh, now actually is in teaching himself would not stun me if bill did something like that like even forget that i coach in a league that has nantucket among the youth programs i think he will do something with lacrosse when he's done maybe a grandkid if it coincides timeline well, that's fair i guess if they, if they, all of a sudden the the u11 or u9 team of nantucket is coached by bill i i think he will get involved and it was funny hearing very uh I almost called him Vrabel, Rabel, Paul mm-hmm. Rabel, not Mike Vrabel, two very different guys, uh, talking about he remembered when Bill came to Johns Hopkins when he was still in college, Rabel, and came in the, the locker room and was, to quote him, MFing us left and right about lacrosse and the way we were playing. And you were like, even though you weren't really sure you should, you were like taking it. Like it was like your coach was MFing you like, and it was Bill Belichick. And so he just has that, that knowledge, that air, that coaching ability. I love the idea. It's why I came up with it first over a decade ago. And who best to get MF'd by out of the blue than Bill Belichick? Like if you could get MF'd by anybody, maybe Sam Jackson, maybe Bill Belichick, anyone else, who would you most like? Skarnickia would be one of mine. Yeah, but you, I mean, that's you, like the ultimate football hardo yeah. answer. Yes. Having darn it. Scarnecchia like tear you down and rip you a new one. All right. Cause nobody can mind F you like Dante Scarnecchia. He is mm-hmm. a mind effer of hall of fame proportions and, and an artist with F bombs. And I, I'm quite, quite an, quite a leader of men and a militaristic uh, teacher. I actually enjoy uh, like yelling at myself when I play golf. So I would love like, <laughs> Tiger or like Bryson or Brooks Kepka or somebody to just MF the mm. hell out of me. Bryson, I bet would be good. Bryson's a good one there. Like MF, like what the hell are you doing? You piece yep. of bleep. Like, like, come on, hold your club angle, like figure it out. Like I, I would love to have someone sit in the golf cart, drive me around and just MF me while I play. I, I, be- part of me all, almost kind of wants like to be at home plate and just have like, whether it's Sparky Lyle or, uh, you know, maybe Jim vintage Jim Leland with a butt hanging out of his mouth or Earl <laughs> Earl Weaver or Billy Martin. I would just love a good old fashioned MFing from a uh, an iconic 70s, like 80s baseball an right in my face. Yeah, just, right. Yeah, in, nose just to nose. You, all you can smell is tobacco. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the yes, COVID era in full effect oh, just right in your mouth. I want all of uh, just nothing but just like steak, bad decisions and carcinogens. Just <laughs> all just just tearing me in half. OK, so Fitzy, I have another. Uh, this made the way across, I believe, Mike Giardi's Twitter feed. And we'll have Mike Giardi on the podcast in the coming weeks to see if he can get better uh, downloads than Paul Perillo. It's a challenge that goes way Perillo back. Good. The old podcast. Um, so he great. tweeted out the cash spending list in the national football league for the year 2022 let me guess top of the list new england nope can't even get through it bottom five Mm -hmm. your new england patriots and i think some people got a little pissy or how do you feel whatever to me it's just logical they spent through their bunghole last year they're going to spend through their blowhole next year the year in the middle they taint gonna spend a lot of money because they can't Oh, Andy, my goodness gracious. Way too many sexual references. There's a lot. Uh, a bungalow is on a barrel of liquor. That's right. Exa- exactly. Which is what makes my favorite liquor store on planet Earth in Salem, Massachusetts, Fitzy's yep. Bunghole, an absolute 
Did you know that exists? Like it, it's yeah, a regional treasure. Liquors. Did you Fun know that that exists? Salem. I did. That, I didn't know that existed. But did you know Salem at one point had a town witch? Which witch was that? Uh, her name was Laurie Cabot. She like had like an award. She taught at Harvard. It's a whole thing. And now wow. Aaron Rodgers is dating a witch. He is. Oh, you didn't know that? Who's no, I did now? not. No, literally a woman who like, it, like. You know how he went through that whole weird cleanse and that whole yep. like off the reservation or on the reserve whatever thing he he's dating a witch. Does this come as any surprise? It's, it's the least surprising oh, wow. least surprising thing you could have possibly told me. Coming off of him breaking up with an actress who had them eating clay and who led him to a 12-day detox where he ate clarified butter for 3 days and then like you know sent projectile refuse from every north mouth and south mouth on his body now that he's dating a witch in no way shape or form does that surprise me well apparently his rumored girlfriend blue her that her name is blue yeah. uh denies yes she plans. did i mean what it re really i mean we you might even like andy that's andy technically that's a yellow card like so one more and you're out blue, for a blue, pod. Blue, 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 that's a technical yeah, that's, that's a technical you just foul. got teed up yeah you got called for uh foul mouth targeting on that one um God. but yeah like so Mayodoka last night did, any any concern or like did that uh, fitzy you're our uh, connection with the super fan dinks that get emotional over things they shouldn't you could have um, just said super fans you didn't have to call the people listen to this podcast dinks but okay no, they're not all dinks i love many of them and most of them um any did it strike a nerve like oh the patriots are bottom five in cash spending why don't we have a number one receiver why don't we have a number one corner didn't even resonate didn't uh, no mentions no fury no uh pounding nobody like you know banging on the tables uh, oh no i can't believe this what are we doing no not at all I think okay. by I think by and large right now, the mood of most Patriots fans, uh, many of which have been locked in on these Celtics NBA finals run, not to say that all Pats fans are Celtics fans or vice versa. But I think most of them are in wait and see mode, many of which in that bracket, probably a bit more optimistic on the way the team is going to go, because, you know, there's still a large portion of the fan base that's in Bill. We trust Andy Fitzy. Uh, actually, this one goes for Shime. Um because he's a noted um, expert, I guess, on this guy, hater. Absolutely. Depending on how you want to put it. Uh, ESPN put out a uh, a list where they did one of those things where, like, unnamed GMs and unnamed personnel people and unnamed this and that put together a ranking of the second-year quarterbacks and how they yep. expect them to succeed in their second season, 2022. Trevor Lawrence was atop the list, much like he was atop the list when they drafted quarterbacks a year ago. Mac Jones came in second, which for him is obviously moving up from the number five spot on the list of drafted quarterbacks. Do you agree with Mac being the second rated year two quarterback? Do you agree with the idea that Trevor Lawrence is still good? And maybe now that he got run, rid of the clown show bro coach and, and there's some stability to that organization, is he going to live up to his hype? What do you think of those rankings? Uh, so I 100% I agree. I think Trevor Lawrence should be number one. I think... Trevor Lawrence had the quietest, actually pretty good season anyone's ever seen ever. Um, because That's whoever's, yeah, right. The the he was involved in the biggest bleep show cluster bleep of an organization I've yeah. ever seen. We yep. call and, it a fuster cluck where I'm and from. Still, when you yep. when you go back and actually watch how he played, he was fantastic. When they had the lead. He only threw one interception. Granted, they didn't have the lead off. And he only say, had... When did they have the yeah. lead? Of but the three he, so, times so, they had the lead last season. So, no, no, no. So, in, so when they had the lead. I'm awesome started, when I lead the Boston Marathon. When they had the lead, he had about 170 pass attempts, which isn't, it's like a, it's a smaller sample size, but a decent That's enough. Terrible. It's a pretty okay. decent. Only, a decent only had one interception in 170 pass attempts okay. when they had the okay. lead. So, okay. like, I think. I think when you dive deeper into Trevor Lawrence's game last year, I think he was better than people give him credit for. So I think him being number one now in a stable, more stable situation with Doug Peterson there, a little bit more help on the offense. I think I think Trevor Lawrence should have a massive year two jump. And now, like, the real people question should is, see exactly what they saw. Now, Andy, is this sort of uh, – I don't disagree with anything that you just put forth there, Shine, but Andy, is this who will have the best 
sophomore season or who after two years total would we say is the best from that class? Cause there is slight, those are slightly different scales upon which. So I'm going the way I'm approaching it is best sophomore season. Okay. And if that's the case, I would have Mac Jones third. I, oh, I who think, would you have second? I think Trey Lance is going to have a big year. Whoa. I have, I was, I was a, I was a massive Trey Lance guy years I'll ago take alert. prior to the draft. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get cut before the season even starts. Yeah. And Plus, you want to have Shanahan's love child. And I think Trey Lance is going to have a good year. I oh, think you're so good, Shanahan, a rookie well, no, quarterback I, I, athletic ability. I also think I think between having having Shanahan and the talent he has around him is just better than the other quarterbacks on the list. All right. Well, I took the time to power rank out, if you will, the six quarterbacks mentioned and said anonymous talent scout GM exec Jeremy Fowler tweet. I have them ranked at number six. Justin Fields, Chicago is doing this guy every kind of dirty with the, quote, talent they have surrounded him with. 100%. Number five, Davis Mills. Not that he's going to look bad. Again, he's just in a team that is bereft of the kind of talent you would need to make a significant year two leap. But Mechanek is not a bad quarterback. Number four, Trey Lance. There will be wow and there will be flash plays galore, but I think the tight, 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 the kind of like leash that Andy has put on him in his BDSM sessions. Like it's going to be like really tight that Kyle Shanahan's going to run him by this year. Yeah, I disagree. See, I okay. Well, that we can agree to disagree. Maybe that's the name of the segment in potpourri. Number three, the guy that has the most room to move on this, he could end up finishing first overall, or he could make his way down the bottom. Big old quadzilla, Zach Wilson. I got him finishing third because the Jets have done a good job, both killing the draft and surrounding him with some talent. We'll see if he makes good on it. Are they going to unleash him, Andy, or will they try to keep a tighter reins on him? Number two, Trevor Lawrence pushing number one, Mac Jones. <laughs> that was Shocker. so predictable. My, so my thing with Zach Wilson. But why can't is, you, though? Like, just, even if it's predictable, even if it's predictable from Mr. Patriot of uh, the Foxborough fanboy, why don't scoff like that? You we we have to like there's a chance Mac Jones could finish number one. Legit. Yeah, uh, sure. There, there's the chance he's chance. been the, the three ring circus of coaching that Trevor Lawrence was last year. And good because I'm in the three rings of hell here. So that's so and so I would just say this on Zach Wilson too. I don't have like any faith in Zach Wilson. Uh I just I didn't see it last year. I like going back and watching some of the stuff, like the kid has some arm talent, but just the decision making just I didn't I didn't really like what I saw. So even with the talent, to be honest, I think they're gonna come to the decision he's not the guy. So that's just kind of where I have stood on Zach Wilson at this point. The one thing I'll say about Trey Lance who would be Shime's guy, and Zach Wilson, who's a little bit Fitzy's guy, a little higher than Trey Lance, is um, rumblings, reports, rumors out of both places have been pretty negative. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of talk that Trey Lance is really inaccurate. Guys get frustrated, and there's been a lot of inaccuracies with Zach Wilson. In in There's been a focus on, A, his quads, and B, like Robert Sala said, he's loud and he's he's got conviction and he's confident leading the huddle and then you're like yeah but the ball never goes where it's supposed to it's like all over the field so I think both of those guys could be in tough for tough years actually and Zach Wilson was at his best at BYU when he was playing off script and off platform like on yep. the run against yeah, his against body like make lower make, level I know making Mahomesian type plays against like Z League defense yes I understand now all of a sudden it's a hell of a different ball game going up against the pros. So are they, that's why I'm, that's why I'm just sort of putting this out there and we can, obviously we have plenty of time this summer. Hopefully we can have a good jets guest on before the season kicks off. Uh, are they going to try to keep the reins on him tighter and make him play like an NFL quarterback? Or are they going to say like, we gave you enough talent effort. Like we're just going to have to let you, you know, hang them high and let them fly. And last but not least in our little potpourri segment here, there was a, another tiering by the 33rd team of a position or an area of teams. We got into a big argument when we talked about the uh, talent of pass catchers. The Patriots had tier seven. The pass rushers for the Patriots, a little bit higher on the list. Tier five for Ooh. Matt Judon and whoever else. I think they put Dietrich wise. Like to me, it's like Matt Judon and, and nobody else. Uh, I actually think they could be a little lower based on the fact that I'm not sure who the second best pass rusher is. Might be Christian Barmore, in my opinion. They didn't include him. Yeah, because Quinn and Williams and other defensive linemen were included. It wasn't yeah. just outside linebackers or edge guys. So 
that's that's a very good point, Andy. Like on, on a bunch of teams in these rankings, it is D linemen and OLBs or edge guys, yeah. not just two edge dudes. So maybe if Christian Barmore has a breakout year, they deserve to be higher than tier five. If not, they may deserve if your second best pass rusher is like Josh Uche, the big piece of the puzzle, maybe you deserve to be lower than tier five. And I would also say, are we going to get a full season or a partial season out of Matt Judon? Is he going to be yeah. a great player for, you know, 15, 16 weeks, or is it going to peter out again as it did last year? Yeah, based on what we saw last year, I think tier five is relatively fair, maybe even a smidge high. But yeah. I, I, I think there's either a room for a little growth there to, to move up. But I also think there's a possibility that you drop to the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, you could. I could see them moving up because, you know, tier four with Frank Clark and Chris Jones, like they're getting a little long in the tooth and maybe it's time for a little youth on the defensive front for Kansas City. Uh, Ravens are pretty good. Vikings, okay. You know, like something that, like, again, Andy, to the point before, like Leonard Williams, that's a down lineman for the Giants in the in tier four so if barmore does make a leap this year and uche delivers on any of the promise and potential he has they could maybe make their way up but if barmore's stuck trying to stop the run uche doesn't pan out and it's judon plus again that could see them at five or even dropping and remember this spring when barmore spoke after one of the ota sessions his focus was finish the quarterback to steal a mortal combat <laughs> reference finish him. so flawless uh, Flawless podcast. <laughs> if, if he is doing that, then I think they will move up and we'll see about Matt Judon. But that's going to wrap up another scintillating, I guess. I'll say it. I'll sell Absolutely. it. I'll pretend it. Scintillating, uh, action-packed. There was a lot in there if you listen to the full three segments of the Six Rings Pod. If you want to join us, it's at Six Rings Pod on Twitter, SixRingsPod at gmail.com. Before we go, we need to end on a little bit of a sad note. Uh, Bears Nigerian who uh, many of you know is Bill Belichick's right-hand man, however you want to phrase it, does a lot behind the scenes for Bill Belichick, is a key cog in the world of the Patriots over the last two decades. Unfortunately, lost his wife to cancer this past week. Uh, very young. They have children. This is a, a, not only a sad story. I know for a lot of us in this age bracket is basically a nightmare, a, a nightmare of now a single father raising children and just a sad, sad story, Fitzy. It's very, very sad when you consider how integral he has been to the day-to-day -day operations of the Patriots, Bill Belichick's doings and musings, as well as the success of the organization for decades, Andy. And just on a human level, um, yeah, you lose your partner, your confidant, your best friend, your wife, and the mother of your children. It is absolutely tragic. Uh, Legacy.com, as published in the Boston Globe, is the obituary of Regina Nigerian. Uh, if you're interested, there's information there where you could make a donation, uh, what you could do in lieu of flowers. If anyone in Pat's Nation would like to reach out, we'll make sure we put this link in the link in bio on our Twitter page as well. And should you happen to listen to the podcast before the celebration of life, it is scheduled for 1 p.m. at Gillette Stadium on Wednesday, the 15th of June. And as always, I know this has been uh, sort of hijacked by the Twitter world but legitimately thoughts and prayers to the Nigerian family, the kids, Bears, as they uh, they proceed in a life that uh, is going to be challenging in ways that that none of us can truly understand. So uh, hopefully they uh, they get through this tough time and uh, fight through the other side. That's going to put a wrap on this uh, six rings pod for Chris Shine for Nick Fitzy Stevens. I'm Andy Hart. We will talk to you again later in the week. See ya. Bye. Bye.